0: What's up, guerrilla social workers? This is the Guerrilla Social Work Podcast, your crackerjack clinical insurgents pitting evidence against anecdotes, with your host, the Volcano Taco himself, Jeff Moore, and yours faithfully, Mace Warren. Jeff and I are both forensic psychotherapists that specialize in the clinical treatment of folks involved in the criminal justice system. We love sharing our misguided musings with all of you, and we thank you so much for your ongoing listenership. The boys sit down today to talk about the colloquial term playing the game as it pertains to treatment. Now, while some practitioners discourage the use of such a term to describe something as important as clinical psychotherapy, the GSW crew looks at this as an opportunity to reinforce client buy-in to treatment. We really enjoyed this conversation. We hope you do too. If you haven't already, take a hike over to the Five Star Radiance house, grab his garbage can and fill it with muddy water. Place that can leaning against his door, and knock and run. You'll love it. And now on with the show. And here we go. Are you ready? Hey, that was pretty good. Thank you, dude. <laughs> can you remember when Corn first came out? Yeah, of course. Man, I, I bet they were intense, dude. Yeah, it was. You know what I never understood about that band huh. was, um. You know when MTV played music back in the day? I remember those days. And you had like Kurt Loder and he was talking about um, how Korn was also like hip hop too. I don't remember that. Yeah. He called it hip hop? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All the time. And Korn collaborated with Ice Cube. It wasn't, not like Kurt Loder specifically. They, they like a lot of, what are they? Um, not DJs. VJs. Not really VJs either because he wasn't really a VJ he, they, JJ, dudes on MTV, like music analysts, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. They were like, music. Oh, yeah, it's a mix between metal and hip hop. I'm like, hip hop. Yeah, I mean, I they had a that. couple of songs that were kind of like that, but in general, no, not really. No, no, that's they a, like that's a bad take. Yeah, that's really weird. It was almost like they were forcing it a little bit. Oh, they, they like wanted it to be there. Yeah, Le- Linkin Park might be an example of that. Only that yeah. one guy that. It, it, have you ever noticed that guy? I don't know if it, if you that he has that one line that finds its way into every song. It's going, it doesn't even matter how hard you try. I'm like, it's <laughs> yeah. like, hold yeah. on, that's what do you say that
1: every song? I no, know,
0: yeah. I know, yeah, like well, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, what, you're trying to inject some message. Damn, damn, yeah. dude, like. Yeah. Yeah, you, you just want to sit you down. You've had a lot of failure in life. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Successful band for such a loser.
0: Yeah. They no. always reminded me of um well, I mean, they had some they had some pretty good songs. And then uh who's that dude? It wasn't his name Chester or something. Yeah, he's R. I. P. Gone, yeah. Um that was the same time that, that um <laughs> that band uh stained came out. Remember them? Yeah, kind of. Every song was sad. Can you can you imagine like going to it a was, concert huh? with one of your buddies and you're just sitting there the whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <You're> just crying.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I like going to concerts that are like upbeat, you know, yeah. but every song's about some girl dumping you. Yeah. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah, dude. I had some thoughts on this one thing I was going to run by you. Mm. Um, I don't know if you, if I uniquely have this experience or you do too, but you can tell me. And, and I've noticed this predominantly at the jail. Like, well, not just at the jail, just like anywhere where there's shared office space. And it's um, so you have a perfectly fine item in there, right? Like, I'll give you an example. So I brought a, um, a laptop desk in there and it was rinky dink. I mean, it wasn't expensive. It was it was, you know, but when I brought it in there, everything was solid, right? Had a little like place for the laptop and then it had a place for the mouse, right? And it rose up so you could kind of stand if you wanted to. And anyway, I brought it in there because at one point we were – because of COVID, we were all over the place. Right. Well, I, maybe two weeks later, I walk in, and then the mouse thing, where the mouse was, totally broken off. And I was like – What happened? Well, an effort had to go into that because I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm like – you know, what, remember, what, what was it though? That was broken. So it was like a, a metal piece that, um, that, so was, it was, had wheels on the bottom yeah. and then just a straight metal bar that went up and it had, uh, a, an arm that oh, a spot for the mouse. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it was, a, they were wooden. And so you had screws going into the wood. I mean, it was a solid piece, sure. All right. right? Got it. So I'm like, how much pressure had to have been applied to break that off? You know what I mean? And it's significant. The answer is a lot. You know, I was like. So either that was kinetic energy or like it fell, but I can't imagine where it would have fallen. Would falling even break it? I don't know. I mean, it was solid, enough, but, or somebody had to wrench it, you know, because that's not normal wear and tear. Right. Um, Or like one of the laptops we use in there, the charging cord, it's like uh, perfectly fine. And then the next week you come in and then like where it meets with like the power coupling or whatever. Like the wires are all stretched all out. out. Like, how? Hold on. How did we get there? What happened? Like what happened in between the amount of time? And I'm, I'm always really curious. Like how do these, how does this happen? Cause I just don't, I don't ever run into those things. Well, you know isn't I mean? it, isn't it kind of the drive it like a rental? <laughs> yeah, you know? I guess. But those, those are weird like damages, right? Like, I mean, if you're driving it like a rental and you run into a garbage can, it's obvious there's a dent right in the front. But these are like, you know, I mean, it, and I can't imagine somebody like looking around at work, <laughs> you know, pulling cords apart or, or
1: drive it like a U haul.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, and then after it's broken, after that laptop desk is broken, it just left in there and put back on as if that's going to fix mm. it. And then I notice I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And just pick it up. I'm like, uh,
1: Maybe it was a, well, I mean, if an inmate had done it, we'd have probably known about it.
0: Right. Oh no, it wasn't an inmate. Yeah. But, but do you ever notice that when you go to our offices? Like, cause you have a lot of shared office space. And I just wonder if you ever, I try not to keep anything of value. <laughs> in those well I, I the lamps by themselves i'm like how did that lamp how is it completely like disconnected from the base I know, I know like so many rotations of that would have had to gone around before it you know what i mean it's so Chair, weird chairs get beat to shit chairs that makes sense though but, like but like beat yeah yeah, not yeah just sat in <laughs> like beaten it reminds me dude of like um uh, yeah our friend Alan Berninga, he's we call him Little Alan compared to Big Alan. Like he was such a shit dude back in the day. Like I'd have my uh, I'd have my homework or something on on my like when I used to drive around and, and with him in it a lot, and and I'd have my homework on the passenger seat, right? And then he'd get in. And and like it, push it on the ground, and then de- like deliberately like stomp on it and like rip things up. I'm like, oh man, It Thanks just Island. yeah. That's 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 what comes to mind when I think about like that stuff. That's just, what's happening. I, I so mean, just- something's going on there, dude. Like a <laughs> couch. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. That was funny. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I so I wanted to. I had. A, I came across a um a George Orwell quote, and it oh. made me think of of uh talking about an assignment that you and i've been like kind of kicking around for i don't know two years now to try to like standardize it put it into like a curriculum that mm. we can teach it in a, in a group type setting and uh so the quote was and this reminded me of it and this kind of got me onto like drawing this some of it so it says so i don't mess this up here Uh, people sleep peaceably in their beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. Do cops use that? That's like kind of like a thing with cops, right? Yeah. It's like a a slogan thing. So I was thinking about, um, just like, I mean, (laughs) I didn't know that was Orwell though. Yeah. 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 That was Orwell. And I was thinking about like, um, just how everybody's at each other's throats these days, you know, but, um, I hadn't noticed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then and it's kind of it's kind of ramping up in its own little way i mean you know uh look no further than old will smith like, <laughs> i thought you're gonna bring that up Yeah, it was, it, i mean <laughs> everybody's seen it 300 times by now but i'm yeah. like i'm like okay like now now most of the time like um there's a lot of cliches around around this stuff and um and I just don't know if they add up very well. So like things like, and you hear these in treatment, right? Like hurt people, hurt people. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, cliche. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to blow your mind. Right. Or silence is violence. Right. right? I'm like, mm, violence is violence. Last time I checked, like that's, uh, you know, was like little sayings well, basically like silence. i was like, dude, you're just not gonna talk to me, like. It, it, uh, okay. Silence is not violence. I can deal yeah. with that for eternity. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Like, yeah. right? You slap me enough times, and I don't know. I might get mildly ir- irritated. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If, you, if you don't talk to me, wonderful. Yeah. No, I'm. But I was, I was singing about some of this stuff and how we look at, like, violence towards one another and how that starts to play into, you know. I guess our, our, clients lives and really what that boils down to, like when, when they're making decisions about, you know, um, I don't know, choosing to violate rules or choosing to follow the rules and stuff like that. And it reminded me of, um, it Well, yeah, it made me kind of think about a couple incidents like Ruby Ridge and Waco, you know what I mean? And you look back at those and those, I mean, if you know anything about them, I mean, it's, it's, there's a really good, um, I think, no, it's a, it's a drama on, uh, Wake Netflix. Yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, crazy, right? Like crazy how, and, and I think that opened up with Ruby Ridge too, like yeah. a little, that kind of kicked it off. Right. Yeah. Like if, I mean, if the government wants to, and not just the government, but like whoever's in charge, whoever has the most guns, let's say that whoever has the most guns, the most willpower, the most ability to do violence, like, whoever has that, I mean, if they want to, they're going to get what they want at the end of the day. That's what those two stories taught me, right? And I'm and I'm thinking, okay, that I don't think people think that far ahead because they don't need to. And most people just want to be civil to one another. But I think for, you know, a lot of clients that we work with when it comes to consequential thinking, it kind of helps th- frame it in this way to kind of think of like, okay, eventually where do these things go? Because at one point or another... You know, as a like, if you if you think about this, like if you're a general citizen, right? And what do you want more than anything? Like if you're just if you're just trying to live your life, and you know do whatever you're doing, I mean, what do you want more intervention or no, less intervention lead, from the government? Leave me alone. Leave me alone. That's probably yeah. what a, a citizen wants more than anything. I yeah. just want to be left alone, yeah. right? And if you think about anybody who's in authority, we'll call it the government in this case, like. What do you think their obligation is? If you're the citizen and they're over you, what do they want more than anything? Your tax dollars. So yeah. <laughs> they they want control yeah. in some aspect right. or another. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's kind of a give and take. Like we don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying.
1: We authorize them to take some level of control for our safety and security. Sure.
0: Okay. Now here's the thing though, is if under the right circumstances that can, that can turn into a violent action if some, if, if on their end, if they're saying, no matter what, we're going to get what we want, right? Unless it comes to us deciding to say, okay, I'm I'm going to comply with this, with this, whatever it is, right? Um, regardless of how silly it is. Okay. So I was thinking like, um, it, okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions, but, and I'm going to offer you um a government show of force okay and for every government show of force i give to you you need to respond with an equal but opposite reaction to that that says i'm not going to comply with that and and that could include you showing your own force to not comply with it makes sense okay i think okay. so so let's say you have a toilet that is only supposed to flush um a half gallon per flush and plumbers, I have no clue what toilets flush. Oh, I or, need more than okay, that. A gallon per flush. And your toilet is currently flushing two gallons per flush. Right. Yeah. And somehow through the gallon flush meter, <laughs> the government becomes aware of this, right? That I have a two gallon that you have okay. a two galloner, right. Yeah. And so they say, well, we can't have this, right? He's, that's a code violation. So, their first intervention, their first intervention is they send you a nicely worded letter that says, Mr. Moore, you know, um, we recognize you have, blah, 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 blah. Um, we ask that you please fix this situation within 30 days um, or, you know, we will give you a fine. Right. So what is your equal but opposite show of I'm not going to do that?
1: Uh, I don't know if it's what you're looking for, but I'd
0: probably file it in my hefty bag lined filing cabinet. Okay, so you throw it in the garbage, right? Okay, pretty simple. No violence so far. All right. So then you receive another notice, right? And the next notice says, Mr. Moore, 60 days ago, we notified you of this and you still have not complied. You now are receiving a twenty five dollar fine and you need to correct the action. You have thirty days to complete this. Please remit payment to blah 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 blah. Okay. And now, what is your reaction?
1: I mean, I, I and you're you're wanting me to intentionally dig my heels in and not just say
0: fine. Oh, because that right? Because uh, you because you have to say this is a dumb I, rule and I'm not going to follow it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm again.
1: I, I would ignore it then because I mean I can't just pay twenty five bucks and not fix it because I'll still maybe I don't feel like it's the government's job to tell me how many gallons I can flush and I don't have the time and energy to go get a, get the one gallon tank. So I don't want to just pay the 25 bucks. So I'll just, yeah, I just ignore it entirely. I okay. Guess. So you just ignore yeah, it again.
0: Yeah, All right. Yeah. So then they send you a third notice, right? And the third notice says, Mr. Moore, uh, you have, you know, 10 business days to fix this the fine is now $150 oh, um you know and um and and please remit payment to this if you don't comply then we will have uh, an officer um come to your house Whoa. and and uh or or not even an officer we'll have a representative come to your house and um collect payment or something like that right okay so they stepped up, they stepped up the game a little bit your your fine has now you know gone up what the, a lot 106 times yeah, yeah 100 over 100% okay so now now what do you do well is
1: the dude it has the representative come to my house not yet like, okay well i mean if i continue to ignore it will the representative show up
0: yeah so if you ignore it again so now homeboy shows up and he shows up you know with his clipboard and i mean he's in his <laughs> i don't know he's uh, in geek suit yeah his toilet flushing uniform yeah and he says, I'm here to collect payment, um, and, you know, if, if, if you don't uh, provide payment, um, then we're, n- our next step is to, you know, bring a police officer here, And or, or no, our next step is to uh, file this with the local jurisdiction, and if you don't show up to court, you're going to be fin- found in contempt of court. So now the guy's standing in front of you, okay?
1: I might try to schmooze them a little, maybe invite him in for a drink, but explain my situation. Be like, look, dude, here's why I haven't done this. I can't really afford these fines. I, I certainly can't afford to get my entire toilet tank. Is it can, can we just like, forget
0: about this? Yeah. And, uh, that, but I'd, I'd Send him on his way I'd try to be nice though So you'd try to talk him out of it i try to talk him okay. out of it All right So then he doesn't He And he says Okay So then now you receive a summons You receive a subpoena in the mail That says you have to go in front of Judge Judy or, or whoever Yeah And uh, And if you don't show up to court That not only are you going to have A contempt of court That you could face up to 30 days in jail And a $5,000 fine at this point um, In addition to You still have to fix your toilet, okay? So this is a summons in the mail, you receive a subpoena. What is your equal show of force in reaction to not complying? the same. I I I'm not showing up. Okay. Yeah. So now you're found in contempt of continued court. Continued resistance, I guess. All right. So now you're found in contempt of Passive court. Passive resistance. And um and the judge during court, you you're not there, so Judge Judy says, We're gonna find him in contempt of court, and we're gonna put a warrant out for his arrest. You know. Okay. So now an officer shows up to your house. A police officer knocks on the door. You answer, Mister Moore. Um, I'm gonna have to take you into custody per this, that, and the other. I'm still digging my heels in. Please Uh, turn around. Put your hands behind your back. Okay. Now, what is your equal and opposite show of force to say I'm not gonna comply? I I don't turn around, put my hands behind my back. Maybe I shut the door. Okay, so then he knocks on the door again. He doesn't go away. He calls him back up. now they have more people in your in your house and, you know, they're they're saying, okay, um, we're going to enter your house by force and take you into into um, into custody. Um, if you don't come out now, right. And you're going to get additional charges for resisting ar- arrest. And that could be up to up, whatever that is in terms of years in jail or months in jail or whatever. Right. And your equal and opposite reaction to that is what <laughs> barricade the doors. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, hi- hide in the closet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like that you open with an Orwell quote. Yeah. My God, dude. So then, so then they say, okay. And they get the battering ram. And they bust down your door and then now they have guns drawn because they don't know what's going on. There's pretty standard police protocol because they're entering into a dwelling that I'm I'm sure there's a safety issue and now they're going to take you by force. But you're still not complying with this. So what is your only equal and opposite reaction to not comply with that? They've got guns drawn up. Well, I might, I might run. Okay. Yeah. Right. But it, so if and if they have helicopters and heat signatures and they find you, then what? Because you can't give up. I'm in a fight. Okay. And if they fight you and then they start using deadly force, what do you do?
1: I mean, I'm probably gonna lose, but I'd see how quick I could get to my strap
0: and uh, go to work. Okay. And then eventually, <laughs> and eventually I'm gonna right. get killed. And eventually, you're gonna get killed. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now. This is just silly. Oh, freaking okay. Toilet Okay. Water, no, exactly. It's, it's yeah, silly. Right. Yeah. Um, And it's toilet water. And I'm sure somewhere in there, like uh, they're probably just going to garnish wages or something. That's probably what would happen or turn your water off or something like that. Right. Or force somebody to come out and fix it. I don't know. But the premise is, is that um, if, if I choose to not comply with this, we, you, our clients are entering into kind of what we call a zero sum game in that no matter how they're playing this, um, it's always going to end on the side of people who can do violence at a much higher level than them, right? And, 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 and impose their will. Now, that doesn't happen, fortunately, for things like toilets and everything. But think how many times our clients have chosen not to follow a rule just because they think it's stupid, right? And then, you know, it. I think most people, when a cop's at your door saying, put your hands behind your back, we're done. You're tapping out at that's, that point, yeah, right? That's, that's about as, yeah, that's I, about as far honestly, as most people go. I probably would have cowed before that even, but well, right now here's my thing though is, <clears throat> you know, if you're going to take that line and say, well, I'm not going to comply. You kind of have to be in for a penny and for a pound. Sure. Because if you, if you are, you're, you're counting on the other side to give up. That's what you're counting on. You're counting on. I'm not going to do that, but you know, really the reason why we give in is because, Oh, Oh, it's serious. The handcuffs are out, right? Okay, I guess we're serious now. Well, it was probably serious before, but the sting that I have to take and the the drawback that I have to deal with it is much less if I just would have fixed my damn toilet to begin with, right? It yeah,
1: absolutely. It's it's the same I, I kind of get the same rationale behind like why it's important to avoid street fights and things yeah. like that is because you always have to expect that the other person's willing to take it one step
0: further. Yeah, dude, I always just think about Joe Pesci from Casino. Oh you my know? God! Like what a great scene. Robert was. De Niro is talking about like if you beat him in a fight, he'll get a bat. If you bring a bat, he'll bring a gun. Right, like right, okay, right, right, I'd right. stop it exactly like, halfway between fights and bats. Like yeah. I'm out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and there are people like that out there. Oh yeah. And I what know. I'm saying is is the the people you can count to win that is going to be the government. So I'm just saying like the people who are in authority and, it and, you know, again, you choose to comply or not comply, but it, by you saying, okay, well, I guess you're going to handcuff me. You're now complying. That's you complying. Right. But you've also, and what I'm saying is no, you, you still gave in, you still lost that game only you lost a ton of freedoms along the way.
1: Right. That's the zero sum.
0: Right. right? So kind of what I, what I would,
1: lose. If, if you win, it means I lose. Like I can't lose without you winning.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So when I was thinking about this, the, I think it's really important that we teach clients that even though they think rules, those rules are silly sometimes. And They, they refer to them, they they use game terms, right? They'll say, Oh, just hoops. I got to jump through. Right. Just got to play the game. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that we get into this is I, I, I've kind of said that when they, you think about court involvement, incarceration, arrest, treatment, and supervision, they call it a game. And, and normally professionals that work with them, they tell them what, what do they say in response to this? It's not a game. (laughs) You take this serious. You think this is a game? You know, stuff like that. You're not internalizing treatment. So the kind of what I was saying here was the thought process behind this is is this response is likely an assumption that the client is trivializing their current circumstances and it's to their own detriment. So we're not we're not like saying this is good for them. We're saying they're doing that to their own detriment. And we want to you know we want to send a message that if you don't take this seriously dude you're doomed like you're screwed right what i was thinking though is like why not just invite them if if they're using this like just invite them to think about recovery and treatment through the through the prism of a game okay and say that that's not necessarily a maladaptive way of thinking right because strategic games those those rely on decision-making process in in terms of situations where outcomes depend on whatever the player is choosing to do. Right. So I'm saying, well, I don't know if if we're turning this into a strategic game that's for their benefit. Can't we just make that work for them in its own little way?
1: Yeah. I, I I think that this pairs nicely with the whole concept of personal risk versus appointed risk in Mm -hmm. that a, a lot of times kind of talking to clients about you know, that like for appointed risk, you know, risk, risk that isn't something that the client has a problem with, like maybe a client has drug problems and so personal risk for them would be, you know, being around situations where there's drugs present, but a lot of our sex offense clients can't go to a park, even Mm -hmm. though their offense had nothing to do with going to a park and, and, they get, they get bent out of shape about having to follow the risk factors that have been appointed to them by APMP, but encouraging them to look at it as a game. Don't personalize it. This isn't about you. This isn't about people saying that you're too risky to be at a park, that you're going to go snatch some kids off the monkey bars. It's nothing to do with that. It's just a game. Show you can jump through the hoop, mm-hmm. show that you can just yeah play the game. Uh, don't go to parks for a while and you'll, you'll, you'll end up beating this board.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and. I think when you when you think about that, like, it's not... And so what I'm saying is when you think about the game aspect, we're not talking about the trivialization of treatment or necessarily the fun of it. We're talking about the strategy. Because if you're in a game that takes multiple steps, right, you sometimes will sacrifice things to win that. Like, I mean, chess is probably one of those, like, more strategic games than the other, right? And there's often sacrifices that are take place in terms of moves that then put a person in a much better position because you're kind of like getting the other person to kind of do what you want them to do. And, and it's not, it's, it's, it is manipulation for sure, but that's not necessarily a bad word. I mean, manipulation kind of depends on, what your intended outcomes are if your intended outcomes are harm well yeah manipula- manipulation is bad but if your intended outcomes are like mutual benefit for one another um you know it, i think a lot of our clients especially being involved in the criminal justice system are doubted from day 1 about their success and and often i mean statistically too it's it's no if you look at them you know you can say with not 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 just my personal opinion, just statistically, they're probably going to go back to prison, right? They're going to recidivate. 50 something percent. Right. So now you, I mean, we try to disconnect from that a little bit and try to pay attention to the idea that they are progressing and making, but I mean, you know, we're wrong sometimes, obviously, that just happens. But it, it doesn't mean that we can't teach them that, well, yeah. It's a strategy. And as much as you don't buy into this as being meaningful for you, that's okay. It is meaningful for somebody else. And that's a little bit gamey. And that's okay. It's not necessarily a maladaptive trait associated with this. So if they want to categorize it as that, fine, right? But I want to teach them some of the differences there. Because like, yeah, I don't know. Like that comes into play. What what are some other things that come up? Like when clients say, Oh yeah, it's your game. I'm just playing the game, dude. Like stuff like that. What are some things that come up like that for clients with you? Well, like as far as
1: people's, well, I mean, I, I think this will answer your question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to answer it with a question. Yeah.
0: Maybe I <laughs> asked a shitty question. No, no it, well
1: <laughs> like you're, you're being more clear about like when you say game, you're talking strategy, uh, using chess as an example, making mm-hmm. a sacrifice move to get your opponent to be baited into doing what you want them to do so that then you can capitalize for a greater, greater gain. Yeah. That, that would be an example of the strategy such that like not going to a park for a while would get me off probation. Eventually the, the trivialization is with like, when, like, do you think that, people that this isn't a game they're looking at game as being like, ah, oh, this doesn't matter. It's lighthearted. It's, it's all just bullshit. I don't, I don't need to pay attention to this. It's, it's, it's nothing more than just, uh, you know, whoop de doo like kind of like, that's what people are pushing back on when they hear game as they think it means like making
0: light of. Yeah. That trivializing, but, but then also like for the clients, I, it, it's, um, they're, I, and I think sometimes they trivialize certain things as well and, and make them out to be less than they are. So an example of that um, that we run into often, I think, is like pornography is a pretty good example. Like they just categorize it's not a big deal. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. And I mean, anybody listening to this and any clinician or, you know, or officer or client, they can agree or disagree with that. That's not what's important. I think that. um th- You know, eventually the mileage runs out on that, though. I mean, we can say it's not that big of a deal. Okay, all right. You know what? And I don't overreact when my client, if I have a client who looks at pornography against, you know, conditions that are probation or maybe like on the substance use front, you know, if they were using meth and now they're using marijuana or had a beer or something like that, you know, it's not the same, but it's kind of in the same, you know, ballpark and stuff. And they can trivialize that easy and chalk this up to other people's overreaction. Now, I don't overreact, but I also don't think it's a non-issue. Like, because if I say, well, look, yeah, it might in the grand scheme of things, it might not be that big of a deal. But if it's not that big of a deal and you're telling me it's not that big of a deal, Shouldn't it, be, stop? shouldn't it be pretty easy to knock it off then? I mean, just temporarily while you're trying to, you know, you're on a period of probation. It's a finite period of time. It's just an opportunity to show that under the right circumstances, you can be trusted. And then once you've done that, a lot of times you're, you know, you get your freedoms back and then uh, this doesn't happen, right? It's a game. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... And that's what I'm saying. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not trivial. It's serious. It's a game with dire consequences. I mean, including loss of freedom. You know, up to and including death, if you so choose. Right. Depending on if you want to resist. It's like Squid Game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah. Right. But I mean, that's that's the whole thing. Is is now again. I as a therapist, I'm not like advocating. It's not like I ever get violent with a client, but as a surrogate, like. An officer would, you know, if it came down to it. If if they said, "Well, we're going to take you into custody," and the client, "No, you're not," okay, and we're going to have to take you into custody. Here we go. No, you're not. Oh, well, what's the next step? It can only escalate to the point, up to the point of death. That's all it can right. include. Right. Right. That's yeah. the
1: only other option. That's intense, but it's true. It happens right. all the time, right? Right.
0: So what I'm saying is, is those decisions in a lot of ways are much more important on the front end. And they're more important in my opinion, because they're just such more, they're just so much easier to manage.
1: You after. mean the upfront opinions, like not, not like whether or not to look at porn in the first place. Right. Yeah.
0: That is such a, an easier thing to manage than, I'm at your door. I'm taking you into yeah, custody. and yeah. You have to like, that is so much more difficult. And, and one begets the other. And so this is for sure a zero sum game. And, and for those of you who don't believe, like th- know what a zero sum game is, So kind of how I wrote this was was clients' behaviors are a good way to determine the type of game they are playing in recovery. So there's different types of games, but the most ineffective ones for clients to play is the one we've been talking about, which is called a zero-sum game. A zero-sum game is one in which no benefit is either created or destroyed. So in a two-player zero-sum game, whatever one player wins, the other loses. So I'm going to take complete control over you, and you're going to lose total freedom and total loss of freedom is death. Like you're, you have nothing at that point. I've exercised complete control over you up to the point that you no longer exist. Right. That's what I'm saying. And you have lost everything at that point, including your own life. Yeah. So, That type of game, (laughs) the players share no common interests and are highly competitive with one another. Uh, There are two types of zero-sum games, those with perfect information and those with imperfect information. This is important. In a game with perfect information, every player knows the results of all previous moves. And in games with imperfect information, players uh, do not know all of the previous moves. And so in other words, like, you know, we, you will not, it, we, our clients are playing the worst type of the game, imperfect. a zero sum yeah. imperfect game in that I never really know what's going on on the other end. And I'm trying to predict this based on luck or, yeah, well, you know what I mean?
1: Just trying to scrape together what whatever you observe other people doing
0: and the consequences they get. But. Well, well, right. So think of how many of our clients this is. Um, they gripe about well so and so did this and then right. they got this sentence and that's way worse than what i did right okay right that and i know what's happening like you're trying to you're trying to start predicting those moves in the future of what the court what law enforcement what your therapist might do based on on other people's experiences right so it's normal that's that's normal that's good actually you're gathering information that you can but it is so different. I mean, usually what it, when, when one client is comparing himself to another, what do they usually miss when they're doing that? They're, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. Like, like what, what information are they missing about the other person when they're trying to like, you know... Oh,
1: well, like, I, I don't know if this is quite what you're going for, but like they... A lot of people compare their compare their blooper reel to someone else's highlight reel. They only mm-hmm. see the the good that the other person gets, or the successes, or the they're they're not getting the negatives. They're not seeing the that they're they're seeing a kind of a one way view of another person's entirety.
0: Right, right. And I and I've never seen it where one client compares like their circumstance to another client and they're like well so this is what happened to me and i got these charges for you know possession with intent to distribute and he got this but then he only got this much time and i got this much time there's always stuff that's left out yeah wh- whether right. it's lack of criminal history on the other end or mitigating circumstances or or who knows i don't even know right. so i i appreciate what it's cl- like a lopsided view of reality right and i appreciate what they're trying to do there like again it's it's i really don't have all the information i don't know the moves that have been made and so i can't now predict what's going to happen and so my next move as far as the game goes is based on what i mean i don't know what to do without that information and so that imperfection and not only that when you compare that to po's right i mean i mean our are POs just robots? A just lot of
1: variability it? between POs, a lot of <sighs> variability with the same PO day to day.
0: Right. Right. Have they had lunch yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was I was seeing some statistics things on conviction rates and uh this is off of a this is off of a podcast I was listening to. I think it was Radio Lab and they were talking about the, the conviction rates um associated with the, the last case before lunch are like the worst dude. <laughs> yeah, compared to, wow. compared to early morning and after lunch. Everyone's
1: yeah. kind of suspected that Yeah, it's funny that that was like shown to be
0: actual. Well, and it, it just, I think it makes decent sense in that, in, but, but you know, what's cool about that because it, it makes sense in that maybe everybody's, you know, uh, kind of like, uh, they're, they're just little like they're hungry, obviously, as a result of that hunger. Maybe they're a little bit more emotional. If they're a little bit more emotional, their decision making is impaired slightly. And so they'll make different decisions they wouldn't normally make if they, you know, were calm and cool, collected. <laughs> it's like an unfunny Snickers commercial. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's, that's why Snickers has that commercial is because there's <laughs> some truth to that. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and I, I mean, I but that's cool that you have those stats because then you can predict it and I can try to make moves again. So if I'm an attorney, I'm going to try to push that to maybe right after lunch, right? Or the first one in the morning or something like that. All those things make sense. Again, buying into that game. But I I think for our clients to be diametrically opposed to authority is just not a great line for them. It's just not a, a good way for them to approach this because... Eventually they're going to comply and now they've lost the game. So they want to do this. You know, we, we have to teach them to make moves strategically to, you know, to come back out on top, but it's not going to be a zero sum game where they win. You you know, I think that's important
1: to point out because another piece of when clients play games, it's the kind of the cops versus robbers type of game. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like in an, in an institution, it's, uh, the, the game of what can we get into prison? What can, how can we make a hustle off of this? What can we get away with? You know, it's uh and that's, that's also a game, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, I think that maybe that's, I think that's what people in our line of work assume is meant when you're trying to pitch a completely different view of the matter.
0: Well, and they, and think about that, that is clients try to, Trying while they're institu- in an institution, a secure institution, they're just trying to exercise additional freedoms. That's all they're trying to do. Yeah, they're tra- right. They're, yep. they're trying to like artificially develop new freedoms by bringing in these additional components. Sure, that's what they're trying to do. And and so I said, well, yeah, that that's that's kind of what you could have been able to accomplish in the first place. But this outright defiance pits you against the authority. Right. And then you want to think, OK, I want to come out with a zero sum game and I'm going to win. But when in the history has that ever happened? Like, have you ever heard of like anybody, anybody, any criminal that, you know, the police are aware of and actively combating that the police were like, OK, OK, you win. Well, we won't do anything it doesn't ever? go that way. It never, yeah. never, ever has right. that happened. Right. right. So. Instead, one of the things we want to be able to do is kind of shift them into this idea of what we call a positive-sum game. Okay. Okay. So the positive-sum game, which is good news, there's they can still play a game, but we want to teach them, this is the game you want to play. The zero-sum game, it's, it's unwinnable. It's unwinnable for us. It's unwinnable for you. The only people who win that collectively is this... Entity called the government
1: One real quick before you go to I don't even know if I'm thinking of this right necessarily, but the type of game that we're talking about inmates play with, you know, sneaking drugs into prison mm-hmm. like that, that's. Kind Of a on the flip side of a zero sum game, and that when the inmates win, the correctional officers lose, right? Because they're getting contraband into the facility,
0: right? Would it work that way? Kind of, a kind of, but I mean, really, what the, the only problem with that is is really what's what's an odd like any of the correctional officers losing at that point? Well, I guess nothing, right? Yeah. Like, because it has to be done in a cl- clandestine way, right? Because if it's not done in a clandestine way, then what happens? It gets busted, right? And then if I get busted, then my my <laughs> (laughs) little freedoms (laughs) that I have within the institution, then those get revoked as well. Right. The correctional officer doesn't get hurt. Right. So only you're only a legend in your own mind at that point. Like you've only won in your own mind because any outward advertisement of this saying that I, oh, I beat you on this front. You know, you'd be foolish to do that because then you're just going to go in the hole. Right. Cool. You got some heroin in. Yeah. Good for you, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's just no way to go about that. So, okay. So Positive sum. Yeah, positive sum game. So this is basically saying, unlike kind of the zero sum game, that in a positive sum game, there's no universally accepted solution to a positive sum game. In a zero sum game, there's a winner and a loser. The end. In a positive sum game, there's not one solution to it, right? So there's also no single best strategy that's preferable to everyone playing the game, okay? Nor is it an easy, easily predictable outcome, which is pretty much every one of our clients lives, right? I can't really predict the outcome of this. Um, There's not really a best strategy for doing this. Um, And you know, and there's no, no one strategy that's going to work for everybody the same way. So these aren't really competitive necessarily because we don't, you don't have to look at your like law enforcement or probation officers as a competition. It doesn't have to be me against them. Now, I think we rightly tell them they're probably not going to be your best friend. In fact, I don't think they should be, nor sh- nor should I, right? But I don't know. How do we encourage clients to view their POs internally?
1: It's a, kind of that whole uh, important relationship, preferred relationship, yeah. kind of that whole concept.
0: Right. It's an important relationship. I may not prefer that might person. not be preferred, but it's important. I have to acknowledge it as being an important relationship. And therefore, right? nurture it in some capacity. Right. Because if you think – I mean – you know, in, in terms of a representative of this this collective entity, because overall, I mean, we we can all think about goals, but like appeals a role in that, you know, what's what's their major role? What do they represent? What are they trying to accomplish? Community safety. Right. Yeah. So community safety and and they're a liaison between, you know, law enforcement or the courts or or, you know, uh, as, as a whole and. The client, right, and and they, yeah, they do pass judgment and they do make judgment calls on behaviors, such that if if you know they assume that the client's doing well enough, they say, okay, we've got enough information here where we can say he doesn't need to be under supervision anymore. He can go live his life, right? That's so right. that's a very valuable component of a person's treatment, like that. If if not the most valuable component, like you know what I mean, right? So, uh,
1: uh, what we do doesn't have much
0: teeth <clears throat> if not for them. Right. So again, I don't have to like that. It just is a valuable component that I need to recognize. So it also one of the things I also said was these games are not necessarily um, like when they're engaging in those. They don't also have to be in conflict of one another because both have. Well, there's some complementary interest for the overall. So if you think about where is some common ground between. A therapist, a client and a PO because there is what's the common ground that all three of those people want.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, A
0: a pleasant interaction, (laughs) pleasant interaction, but long term, right? Success, success of the client, right? Because if if a PO has success of the client, I mean, all that means for him is, is that. Off the caseload. Off my caseload. I don't have to worry about this person anymore. Doesn't have to write a warrant request. Right. I don't have to. I mean, I don't. And and it's not just not that POs are trying to avoid doing work. What it is, is just saying that, yeah, they've demonstrated enough stable behavior that I no longer have to be burdened with them. Now there's going to be another person. They they don't
1: have to go through the effort of having to bring somebody into custody to handcuff them. They don't want to do all that. They don't want to chase someone down the street and
0: tackle them. Right. Like every, I, I, I would think that, if I'm an officer in any capacity, every interaction I have to take somebody into custody is a potential danger to me. Yeah. And I would I, want to avoid that. Ideally you want a slow day as an officer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if I if I if it happens, it happens, right? Cuz I think any officer who's doing that for like wanting to do that, you know, uh, circa Mike Lowry you know uh, <laughs> Mike Lowry yeah <laughs> yeah he's, he, yeah, he's like yeah he's uh, he's like I'm a what, dude, I mean. what a great show yeah that show yeah. all of them they collectively kill yeah. like 300 people I'm like God is there any accountability <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah they just get yelled at and they're like off you go is that where Will Smith got the idea you can just do whatever oh so there's been so many other ones <laughs> <laughs> I mean if that's where it came from yeah. that's awesome I mean Bad that's boys. an awesome show yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so the common ground is success. And, and again, um, so the, the PO wants success and you can say, well, that's not for the right reasons. I don't care. I don't care why. What's the right reasons? A therapist wants success. It's, it's a shared goal and an agreement of a desired outcome. Right. Yeah. And here's here's the tricky part. And this is where sometimes we as therapists get caught, get caught up. I don't care why my client is choosing to do, to do the right thing, quote unquote, right. Like when I'm saying right, I'm talking about like morals. A lot of times are just about compliance, right? You don't have to believe in the rule to follow the damn rule. Okay. We all do that to some degree. It's the same reason why we, we stop at red lights, but not at stop signs. Like, as if there's mythical demons right? in that red light. That's funny. Like, oh That's true, God. huh? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But we all do that. Yeah. So we're compliant. It's not, it's not a moral question. We're just doing that. Be- so I don't care why my client is making the correct decision. So long as they're making the correct decision. But before you move on, yeah, to that, the, the pushback, I mean, I, I agree, but
1: the, the pushback is going to be that that means the client maybe hasn't actually taken to heart the treatment concepts. And as soon as the law isn't looking over their shoulder, they're going to go right back to what they were doing. So how how would you respond to that?
0: Well, that perhaps is the case. However, if so if the only reason that they're making those decisions is in self interest, then I think we're home free. I always want to be answering the question of what's in it for me for the client. I always want to be answering that question as a therapist. Okay. What's in it for me? Because Again, you trying to externalize that and turning it into this, like, altruistic reason to follow these these rules. Um, a, somebody could lie to you and say, yeah, oh, I agree with that. That's why I'm following this, right? It appeases me as a therapist. And like, oh, he's he gets it. This client gets it. Right. Meanwhile, he's lying. Right. And if in his mind he's saying to himself, you know what? Like, I don't really care about this rule. And I've actually had fantasies of strangling this dude. Um, I love it. I love thinking about that. I'm not going to though, because if I do that, then I would for sure get caught. And even if I was on the run, um, I'd only have a little bit of freedoms before I was caught and then it would come down to me or them. And I don't want to go back to prison. And you know, I'm saying, okay, I don't, I don't, as long as he's not strangling people. Exactly. I do not care. I don't care. So, and, and I mean, I don't have to get into nitty gritty details about that with clients. I just have to. Help them get to the point where that decision making process has gotten to the degree that they are making those decisions. Because when you're making decisions like within your best interest, then, you know, okay, we're home free. I mean, and a lot of people would say, well, yeah, Ted Bundy thought that that was in his best interest. Ted Bundy was only thinking about the problem with him is he only thought about the next five minutes. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. If only think about the next five minutes, that is in my best interest. But if, if Ted Bundy were able to see into his future, into, you know, old Sparky. Right. The most important person in Ted Bundy's world was Ted Bundy. Mm. Use that to your advantage. If you're a therapist, He you, didn't want to die. Dude, yeah. Trust me. He's he didn't care about those girls and he never would. There's not there's not. Anything in the world that I could do to convince that guy to care about those girls. Not going to teach him compassion. I do know he likes himself, though, right? Yeah. And I can I can utilize that. And again, as a therapist, I can manipulate that, not to harm Ted Bundy, and certainly not to harm future victims. I'm doing that for a good outcome, meaning this guy is going to lead a productive life, not because he thinks killing is wrong. It's because he knows it's going to impact him negatively getting to the electric chair. I'm saying if he knew that that was the end result, I think he would have acted differently. You know what I mean? Right. He assumed he wasn't going to get caught and damn, the dude escaped twice. No kidding. Tons Seriously, of confidence. Dude, Holy hell world. Yeah. Amazing stuff. So last thing on this is that players engage in a positive, sum game. Um, it implies that, they have interests in common and to achieve an outcome that maximizes total payoffs. So when you look at that, you say, look, there are for sure common interests between you and this person. I promise you. How do we get there? How do we get there that you and the PO or you and the therapist or who – because we have therapists too that we work with who are just – sometimes just disagreeable with the clients for a variety of reasons. You sure, know what I mean? Right. And we ask them to do a personal inventory and say, yeah, what am I reacting to? Yeah, sometimes they're just like, I just don't like him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Like, I'm glad you recognize that. That now puts you in the driver's seat to make better decisions. You know, are you're going to continue working with them and if you are, how are you going to detach away from that? Right. I just don't like this guy. You know what I mean? Nobody said you had to like your client to help them. That's, that's not a prerequisite. That's not something that you have to do. But, it will reflect in that. And I've seen that tons of times where therapists get mad at clients for relapsing. And then as like a punishment, they make them go to more treatment and stuff like that. Weird things. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that for clinicians, this is, this is a concept that can be used for everybody. This is, everybody can get on board with this is how can we get ourselves away from these zero sum games? Because I already know who the winner of that is. I already know who the winner of that is. So I'm not, I don't play games that I know I'm going to lose. That's silly. Why would you ever play that game? So is the the habit you get your clients into is getting them to ask
1: what's in it for me in following this rule.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if they, they're, if they're able to come up with an answer, uh, success, then, and that's the therapist definition. You yeah. Know, success. You know, the, the therapist asks what's in it for me, you know, that mm-hmm. may, maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It feels good to help a client get through a program, you know, and the the PO, what's in it for me, uh, Eh. you know, uh, again, just, I mean, I know it's more than just, I don't have to write a warrant request. I know it's more than that, but still Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not, it's not nothing. So we, we might, we might, the client therapist and PO might all have different reasons, but as long as they unite along the same. Uh, success as the outcome through asking what's in it for me. They're all playing a game. It's a positive sum game.
0: Right. So I, I'd say, look, clinicians, if you hear or even POs for that matter, or any, anybody in a, you know, who's working with a client, if you hear them refer to things as like a game, don't think of it as I'm trivializing that, like kind of probe a little bit. And if they're, you know, semi-serious embrace that and use that to your advantage. You can turn that now into a strategy and, considering it to be a game and turning it to a strategy dude again i don't care why you're making the right decisions so long as you're making the right decisions and yep. and if you're asking the question what's in it for me your decision does not have to be based on my moral thinking about whatever the behavior is or anybody else's other than it's not leading you back to incarceration and it's not hurting other people That's perfect it. fine by me right exactly yeah. so i uh, yeah i think it's a good concept for everybody to pay attention to yeah, this is ready so, for group <laughs> yeah yeah okay good yeah. good hey i was going to ask you something before we um i was just thinking uh did, remember how we mentioned we were talking about epstein getting murked or whatever. Yeah. The more I think about that, there's just no way. Do you know how, you know how fascinating it is when you tell somebody, if you just tell somebody a camera was out, that's all anybody needs to hear. That's all anybody to con- needs to, to hear. To conclude. Right. Like to, oh, 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 a camera was out. Oh my God. Well, then it must like, well, there was more than that. Like what? The hyoid bone thing. Okay. Okay. So okay. here's my thing. Let me just consider okay. Okay. Um, so, in order to, in order for, let's just say, um, if you, so somebody who has access, right, to a, a facility, could they get in there and kill somebody if they had access? I think the answer is yes. Could they get away with it? No. So you think about it. You'd have to go through a secure door that requires a code. Open that. You'd have to. You'd have to have a central staff like pass you through a slider. They'd have to open one door, go into Sallyport, they have to buzz you through another door. You have to go by them, wave at them. You have to get buzzed into another door, then with a key card get into another door, then they have to buzz in another door. I get that. And then you're saying somebody did that and walked out without anybody noticing? No. And I, 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 and nobody, nobody's going to, and that's a, that's an incredible secret. Three people can
1: keep a secret (laughs) if two are dead.
0: There you go. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So
1: the, um, but that's what it would require is, um, if enough money, I mean, so the, the theory, right. Is that some elite multi-billionaire lined the pockets of the minimum required
0: amount of people for that to happen. And, and one of their family members would say something. I know. The only way it is, is magic. <laughs> Let's not rule that out. <laughs> okay. Somebody, somebody turned into smoke and went through a vent and then appeared in the cell and then killed him and then turned back into smoke and went back through the, the vent. old smoke. assassin trick. <laughs> That's the only way yeah. I was just thinking, cause we talked about that before. And I was like, no, he's probably just a billionaire that knew his life was over and he's going to get charged with everything under the sun and wanted to die. That makes way more sense. But like saying there's a camera out, I don't care. Like, you know, think of how many just little things are, you know.
1: I just want to hear a doctor explain that the bones in the neck that were crushed. I mean, if a, if if a smart enough doctor is able to say like, "No, actually that can get crushed through through hanging." But like everything I saw, I just said that there's no way that the way that he hung himself would break that bone. Here's I the just only, want to, I want to hear that explained okay.
0: by someone smarter than me. The only thing I'd say is even if his head was chopped off, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'd say, man, I yeah. don't know how he did it, but he did yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I can't yeah. believe that somebody got into a secure facility and did yeah. that it just doesn't make any sense dude like, the Clintons I'm like no no it doesn't work that way dude <laughs> anyway yeah okay cool I'm glad we cleared that up yeah. or, or not <laughs> smoke assassination smoke assassin. okay see you guys Well, that about does it for this episode of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star rating and sharing with a friend. We'd like to stay and chat longer, but we're lying. Good night.